Hey, 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 everyone. It's Indy here with Veer Queer. Um, today we're here with our special guest, Kuma, and um, we're also here with Julian as well. Um, Kuma is an intersex activist. Um, and yeah, uh, hi, how are you? I'm good. Thanks good, for good. Me on. Yeah, hey, thank hey. you. W- welcome to the studio. So I guess we're yeah. here either. Oh. <laughs> Sandisha's like Julian's here too, and so is Kuma. But it's like, but so is Mai. Oh yeah, Mai is no, Mai is here too. Fuck <laughs> Mai. Uh, no, you're good. Right. Ready for the holidays? Um, eh. I, I, uh, I'm glad to like not have. I guess I'm glad to not be working, but also if I'm not working, I'm not making money. So. Uh oh, you're right. It's like yeah. one of the, it's. You do a lot of freelancing gig, yeah. right? So it's like the days you're not working, that's money you're losing. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you get like paid time off. It's no. literally like as if you had an hourly job. Like the days you don't work, that's money you're yeah. not losing. Oh, fuck, dude, I'm sorry. It's okay. That's why, you know, it's the glory of freelancing. You know, it's like... I don't really have a boss. No. <laughs> you're your own boss. I yes. am. So yes. it's... So it's pretty sweet, but also like I have to worry about. I live paycheck to paycheck, so it's right. So like it's like, wait, am I gonna be working enough to to like pay this month's rent? Like it's not like a steady mm-hmm. paycheck. Like I have, like no, I I couldn't live like that. That's why I couldn't be doing freelance work because I like need to know if I'm going to have money that month. Right. Well, you're a Virgo, so yeah. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I get like. Drag for that every day by my partner. My part. My partner's a Pisces. What's up, Indisha? Oh, my partner's a Pisces too. Yeah. Like my like my partner could legit be like, I would swim across the ocean for you, and I'm like, I mean, that sounds romantic, but I feel bad you don't have a boat. <laughs> like that's. I mean, it's like technically you'd want to be in the water anyway, since you're a Pisces. So it's like, are you really doing it? For me, are you doing it for you? Like, Pisces secretly want to be mermaids anyway. Speaking of mermaids, have you guys heard of that new show, Tidelands? No. Mm-mm. Um, it's, right, so far, it's annoyingly straight, but <laughs> it is about um, mermaids that deal drugs. So I feel like it's perfect for both Elise and I, because, like, she's the Pisces, so she's like, oh, yeah, mermaids, and I'm the bud tender, so I'm like, oh, yeah, drug dealer. What, what kind of drugs do mermaids deal? You know what? They haven't even said yet. They haven't even said what the product is. And another funny thing, I was while watching the show, um, the the leader, the head like mermaid uh, mistress person who's like the head of the the mermaid cult. She's an awful drug dealer. She like she's really bad at it. Like <laughs> I just like talk to the screen all the time. I'm like I would never do that. Like what is she doing anyway? <laughs> I wonder if they sell like. I wonder what kind of like other drugs they would sell if you're a mermaid. That's like it would it would probably be like coral cl- clownfish. Like they would like excrete algae out something from clownfish and be like this is a drug you have to <laughs> <take."> definitely <laughs> some type of hallucinogen for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was about to say, can you, what if you like put like algae like in between like your teeth and like your t- like your gums mm-hmm. like kind of like chewing tobacco mm-hmm. i wonder if, if that would be a thing right and people are like let's go get kelp let's go get kelp <laughs> let's get high off kelp <laughs> oh seaweed seaweed yeah. probably like some kind mm-hmm. of fish that has like a neurotoxin like yeah. blowfish fish or something yeah. oh. that's what exactly because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they have those frogs <laughs> I like the direction this podcast is going. <laughs> I was unprepared for this, but I like it. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm also just going to put out there that lobsters are scorpion mermaids. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and is this a hill you're going to die on? Or is this like fact? Because what? Scorpion mermaids? Well, if you think about it, okay. they're like scorpions Break it down that for live me. in the ocean with and a tail and they're mermaids. They don't have any legs. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> the same could also be said of crawfish. Yeah. Oh they, yeah. They look like little scorpions. Wait. Wh- but wh- mer- scorpion mermaids. Mm. What, Indy? Yeah. What, Wendy? Not having legs. I recently found out that there are these things called like leg legless lizards. What? Yes. Leg- Aren't they just eels? Uh, no. <laughs> no. It- or slugs? It looks like a lizard in the face. 
Uh-huh. A snake in the body. It's fascinating. So are they la- are they land or sea creatures? They are land. I don't know how I feel about this information you just told me. It's also uncomfortable. And then, I'm really uncomfortable. Like, I guess we're doing this, brain. I mean, my, my mind was blown. I didn't think it was real until I had to actually Google it. Um, but, yeah. Speaking of, like, legless lizards, I have a really funny story when I was a kid. So, I used to have this really bad phobia of snails and slugs when I was a child. I don't know why. Like, when... <laughs> Why is looking at me like, why? No, um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I would go to like my grandparents' house, and uh, whenever there was a snail or a slug like on the on the step, I'd start crying. So I'd make my dad like carry me like to to the door, because <laughs> just the sight of them just made me so uncomfortable. And I think it, I don't know if this was before or after that, but I definitely remember vividly as a child like doing easter like easter egg hunting in the backyard of my grandparents house and i would and i picked something up that i thought was an egg but it was a snail and i like dropped it and i screamed <laughs> so I'm, i don't know if that those are related like if that happened and then i became afraid of them or like if i was already like feeling a type of way and then that should made it worse mm-hmm. um but now i think i'm okay maybe i should unpack this to my therapist like hey what does this mean <laughs> I'm having these dreams. I'm having um, these dreams about <laughs> slugs and snails. <laughs> That's where you need to get salt. Oh yeah, but then I would feel bad. Like I couldn't do that. Yeah. I you guess know, so. like they're already minding their own business, like out in the wild. Like why That's would true. I like fuck up their shaving more? I this is so funny how you were afraid of snails and slugs. Since I was a kid, I used to actually keep them as pets. <laughs> what? Okay, what? you were a bug kid. <laughs> Um, I wasn't <laughs> a bug kid. Those. I just thought snails were cool. Just snails. I would just collect them. I don't know. Something about them. I was like, they're cool. They're slimy. They have shells. I'm, I was like, chill with it. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. <That's> nice. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, all right, cool. And Disha likes bugs. <laughs> so I love how, like we were talking earlier about, there was really no like set intro or anything. We're just yeah. kind of like... None of this is going to make sense and it's going to lead into it. But it actually really does lead into the conversation. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the sense of like we're talking about animals that don't necessarily fit certain mm-hmm. phenotypes. Oh, yeah. Like snails and slugs yeah. that are hermaphroditic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's kind of an oh, amazing opening. Wow. What we were going to talk we about. We definitely planned this. I love it. <laughs> Yes, this is the stuff we um, talk about all the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, like, we we brought you on because, really, I don't, I, the three of us, um, and probably other people in the LGBTQ community as well, don't know much about the intersex community, and I know you do a lot of work in that, um, with you being intersex yourself, and so we were hoping that we could talk to you a little bit, sort of like, intersex 101, like, if that's right. cool with you. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, but, you know, obviously, if, if, you know, if we're crossing the line or anything like that, please let us know. Because we mm-hmm. want to make sure that while you're giving us the emotional labor to, like, educate us, uh, we want to make sure that you're also safe and feeling and listeners. Which yeah. we also <laughs> totally appreciate, by the way, for that emotional labor and breaking things down for us. Yeah, seriously, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So when I give talks, I usually will say mm-hmm. something to the effect of, you are welcome to ask any question, yeah. but I am not obligated to answer. Uh, and I will let you know if yeah. there is a question that is uncomfortable or yeah. that I would prefer not to answer, but... Very rarely does that happen because I'll just put it all out there. Right. So I guess the first obvious question for me personally would be, what made you want to become more involved in the community? That's a great question. So um, I'm actually the (laughs) co-founder of the Houston Intersex Society, Mm -hmm. um, which is the only intersex organization in the state of Texas. Oh. And the way that that came about was... Uh, The other co-founder and I knew each other as teenagers. Um, Mm -hmm. We went to an LGBT youth group here in Houston called Hatch. Mm -hmm. We sat next to each other every Friday night for years. Never knew the other person was intersex. (laughs) Wow. There was a lot of shame and stigma about it. And we were both 
uh, told by parents and by doctors that we were like super rare and that we'd never meet another person no. like ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we sat there feeling so isolated uh, and like ashamed, right? Mm-hmm. And we never, like, we were both in this like queer safe space but never said we were intersex and never talked about it. Mm -hmm. So when we reconnected as adults, we were like, nobody should ever feel that way. And so that was in 2012. We reconnected and we're like, let's let's do something about that. Mm -hmm. We started our organization with the intention of being like a social and support group. But we found that there was really a lot more need for education mm-hmm. and for advocacy yeah uh so we've done a we've kind of shifted from from doing like social and support we still do yeah. some stuff like that but we do a lot of education yeah. advocacy work and then as individuals you know separate from the organization yeah. uh, we do legislation and lobbying mm-hmm. as well wow. um so do you mind if i ask um at the time when you were going to hatch did you identify as intersex at the time? Um, not really, mm-hmm. because I... That I language mean, wasn't there, right? The language wasn't really there, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I've always known just... And I guess right. we'll, we'll kind of touch back on that a little yeah. bit later. Yeah, yeah, I've always known physically that I was intersex. I didn't... I did <clears> not... <throat> have the word intersex until I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, no, but I, also... Yeah, I get that. It, it kind of goes hand in hand with that shame and stigma. Like, no, yeah. I just... I... And it, it was also really difficult to, like, be in that space. Mm-hmm. And... And I think because also, like... Uh, transness was something that was, like, just really starting to to be more comfortable for people to claim yeah it's mm-hmm. not that it was anything new it was just that people were more comfortable yeah. starting to claim transness mm-hmm. or like um genderqueer kind of stuff so there were there were a few youth that were trans identified and it was mm-hmm. this this concept of like um transitioning to to like their true selves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was something that I couldn't really even grasp as a concept because mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't figure out who I was <laughs> because I didn't know what I was to begin with. Right. Kind of thing. And it was like, yeah. even in this queer space, it was still a very, very binary space. Yeah. Even in the concept of like, the all the girls, for the most part, there are either lesbian or bi, mm-hmm. and all the boys that are there are either gay or bi. Mm-hmm. And then we had, you know, there's the one token trans girl and the one token trans guy. And so I just kind of, when I yeah. went into the space, uh, I believe at the time I was read as like a gay boy. So it was like, okay, I'm a gay boy, whatever. Like, it, for me, it was... Uh, that was my safe haven away from... At the time, I lived in Tomball. Oh, so, wow. And also, this is um, kind of funny. At the time, Hatch met at a church. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. my parents, who are both... Uh, they're my adoptive parents. They're very white, mm-hmm. very straight, very religious. They drove me down there every Friday night for years, waited mm-hmm. in the parking lot to make sure that I wouldn't leave mm-hmm. because they thought it was like an ex-anti-queer program. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's like... Backfired a little bit. Yeah. That's <laughs> like something, not not like in those exact words I heard, but when I used to volunteer with Hatch, I used to be a Hatch youth facilitator last year. And I think Mai does it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking to one of the facilitators who was a volunteer there. Um, and he talked about how when it first started as a church, like people, like it was a lot easier to like go to this like queer space, like in stealth because yes. it was at a church. Mm. Yes. It, like, like, you know what I mean? If So for our listeners that don't know, Hatch is a youth program that is put on by the Montrose Center, which is our LGBT like resource center. Yeah. QI plus um, center yeah. here in Houston. Yeah, and Hatch Youth is a safe space for right um, for youth, for uh, queer youth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um, I'm pretty sure we spoke with uh, one of the people that work yeah, there in Garza. Uh, a couple, uh, yeah, one of our old seasons. So if no one yeah. knows what Hatch is, go ahead and look it up and listen to all the other episodes. Hey. Um, 
I was going to say that you said something just a second ago that I really leveled with that you mentioned how you would you like you would see your body and you knew that you were intersex but you didn't have the language for that right like I really level with that like an emotional level as being mm-hmm. non-binary because I always knew that there's something happening but I didn't have the language for that like right. I look at old pictures of myself in, in high school and I'm like I tried really hard to present feminine and even then I knew like deep down that this isn't what I am or what I wanted to be and it wasn't until when it's like you said like transness like has always been around it's just now people are being more comfortable in like claiming that that finally once you know like the non-binary identities like whether if you're bi-gender agender gender queer gender fluid whatever like once the those terms came up and that language became more readily available it's like oh that's what i am now this makes a lot more sense right mm-hmm. so like i guess if we can take a few steps sure. back and do kind of a quick intersex 101 yeah, yeah. So I, I was mm-hmm. which might be that. helpful because right. I, I think some of the listeners might be like okay i have this word now and i don't know what it means yeah mm-hmm. so intersex is when someone is born with a body <coughs> that is uh that has anatomical hormonal or genetic usually mm-hmm. chromosomal traits yeah. that makes their body somewhere in between what is considered typical for male or female uh-huh um so the old word for that was hermaphrodite, but mm-hmm. we don't really use that anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people use it as a reclaimed term for themselves, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of misleading because it implies that someone has both sets of fully functioning genitalia, mm-hmm. which doesn't oh. really happen with uh-huh. humans. Right. Um, and so with intersex, it is something that is very medicalized. Mm-hmm. There are over 30 different diagnoses. Uh for intersex, Mm -hmm. but it's also something that many in the community are really trying to um, educate about and and move away from, like, just being this medicalized Mm -hmm. thing. So the other thing that's that's, uh, important to know is that uh, there... We talked about that some for some people it's noticeable at birth. Some people don't mm-hmm. find out about it until puberty yeah. or until they don't have a puberty. Other people find mm-hmm. out when they are uh, trying to either get someone pregnant or get mm-hmm. pregnant, and then they, they'll go to a doctor and they'll find out that uh, they have intersex traits. Um, oh. So intersex at birth, mm-hmm. when that means when someone's born, they look at the, mm-hmm. the child and they can say, this child has this or they use language um this child is intersex sometimes uh in the medical community they Mm -hmm. use uh the term dsd or disorder of sexual development Mm -hmm. i know everybody kind of made a a face there uh so there are a lot of people in the intersex community that really are advocating for the use of the term intersex Mm -hmm. over DSD. Uh, some people have shifted DSD to mean difference of sexual development. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which, but I mean, but it's already been softer. established yeah. Yeah. As, yeah. as disorder. So that's, yeah. that's like, for me as an individual, like... That would hurt. Uh, it's feel, it's yeah. still uncomfortable. Yeah, um, it stings a little. Yeah. Right. So the rate at birth is about the same as twins. So it's about 1.7% of the population that at birth they can look at the child and say this child is intersex Mm -hmm. or has a DSD or whatever, you know, language Mm -hmm. they're going to use. So uh, I mentioned before, like the old language for that was hermaphrodite. They also used to use words like male pseudo-hermaphrodite, female pseudo-hermaphrodite. So that's a lot of the old language that... yeah. As much as I would like to say they don't use anymore, they still sometimes Mm -hmm. use that, which is why the education is so important. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things to note is that when we talk about uh, intersex, and we use language like intersex traits, um, because uh, I always try to make it a point that, like, Intersex is an intersectional identity for Mm -hmm. uh, those Mm -hmm. of us that also identify as LGBT because there are some folks in the intersex community that don't identify as LGBT. Mm -hmm. So it's this like weird space of like having differences um, that can very easily be combined with gender or with sexuality, like how we relate to our bodies can 
you know, also impact how we identify our gender, which can also impact how we define our sexuality. Yeah. So for a lot of people, like, all of these things go together. And Mm -hmm. for some people, they're like, nope, I am this, and uh, my sexuality is this, and I don't want to be lumped in with LGBT. Right. So we try to navigate, you know, this very, very large community Mm -hmm. of people while also making it a point to uplift and recognize those intersex people that do Mm -hmm. identify as LGBT Mm -hmm. and some people that don't necessarily identify as queer or trans, but still opt to be tagged on to the LGBT Mm -hmm. Q, et cetera, et cetera, because of uh, either things that are relatable or mm-hmm. as like a political stance, right? Like mm-hmm. a sociopolitical. Being marginalized. Right, mm-hmm. as like part right. of a marginalized community. And because, um, so I did an interview um, with an OBGYN recently. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that popped up was like the bathroom issue. And I found that, I think it was easier to explain that like that's not, an intersex issue like that's that mm-hmm. is an issue that is solely based on like demonizing trans people yeah. mm-hmm. and intersex yeah. people get harmed in the crossfire yeah and i think that that is one of the reasons why there's a lot of intersex folks that that embrace like being tagged onto that but also use like the being part of the larger lgbtq community to advocate for our trans mm-hmm. friends and for yeah. our, you know, queer friends as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you can't speak for a whole community, but I just want to know, in your opinion, why do you think some intersex people don't identify as LGBT? It's, a, it's their choice, right? I mean, like, no. it, I mean, it is, but it's just that I, I always hear some of them do, some of them don't. Yeah. Some don't intersex people may be heterosexual. Yeah, I mean, well, there's there's that, obviously. There are right. some people right. that do identify as, uh, I guess, cis and straight, or, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, whatever that, that means. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, so I think the, the concern is that there are those people. And um, I have friends that are, you know, not queer and not trans-identified that happen to be intersex, and they still... Yeah. Uh, support the queer and trans community. Mm-hmm. I also know intersex people that uh, identify as straight and not trans and are very adamant that intersex not be included in LGBT. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They There are some folks that are yeah. fairly homophobic and transphobic. So... I mean, it, and part of that too is that it's it's a very large community of a lot of different people with yeah. different and, yeah. experiences and beliefs, and you, you know it. Yeah. So it it it's great for the people that will, but I mean, even like trying to educate within the community is right. seems hard. Yeah. Right. Right. Like the like I said, the only reason why I ask that question is because I also know non-binary people that don't identify as trans for uh-huh. like m- m- one reason or another, and so. Um, that's just sort of like why I want to ask because if I can go on Google and it gives me like this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason, but it's like I'm still not going into this knowing like what intersex yeah. really is though. So that that's that's why I want to ask because now I'm sort of getting like more information about what in, mm-hmm. what the intersex community really is. And I already right. feel enlightened in like the last. Yeah, no, I have. Yeah, I have. It's like I guess like, so it wouldn't much, be. Because I didn't know a lot about it either. Um, and which is gonna be like uh, what's gonna right. lead into when it comes like uh, going off of what Julian was asking when it comes to um, the intersections between like intersex people and the LGBTQ community. What would you, as an intersex person, like to see so that you know um, or like? I don't know what type of education or I don't know what what difference would you like to see because I don't hear a lot about intersex people at all um, and I consider myself to be pretty in tune with uh, with queer media for the most part but that's usually a part that I don't usually hear about so like I don't know in your utopia what would you like for people to know off the bat you know because I know you do it a lot and you do a lot of activism and everything else but 
I don't know, what can we do as members of the community, you know, with you guys? Um, you know, yeah, I don't know if it's uh, coming across right, you know? No, I, so now's a great time to talk about some of the issues that the intersex community faces. Um, so one of the, the biggest Perfect. issues, um, <laughs> at least, uh, within North America and several other countries. Mm -hmm. there. So first and foremost, I'm gonna lay it out there that there are some countries where infanticide is something that happens when mm -hmm. a child is born intersex. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, that doesn't happen in North America. So mm -hmm. that's not something that I really speak a lot to or that my organization yeah. does a lot with. But that is something that does happen. Yeah. Um, so one of the largest issues, at least within North America and many other countries, mm -hmm. is the issue of infant genital mutilation surgeries or what is called normalization surgeries. So when <sighs> an intersex... Murder. Yeah. When an inter intersex infant is born and mm -hmm. they have genitalia that is uniquely intersex, oftentimes they are immediately subjected to cosmetic surgeries on healthy tissue that are completely medically unnecessary mm -hmm. that attempt to make their genitalia appear uh, more binary. Um, Ugh. And so some of the problems with that, obviously, you know, you are cutting on healthy tissue. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's also... It's forced sterilization. Mm -hmm. uh, they're removing children's gonads. Uh, there's ne hardly ever just one surgery. You're talking about infant tissue. So there's scar tissue as the child grows. There's, you know, repeated surgeries to um, correct various different things and, and change things as a child grows. There's urinary issues. There's often sexual dysfunction. There's nerve damage. Um, we know people that have, they're in their 40s and they've had, you know, over 25 surgeries. Um, wow. There's there's also, you know, for a lot of time, for a lot of children, they will try to create a neo-vagina for them, which means that, uh, they have to dilate, or the parents have to dilate a small child, which means um, putting in, inserting things into their body yeah. to keep the vagina open, uh, which, as you can imagine, is painful. Is, yeah. is painful, but it's also incredibly disturbing right? and just yeah. as a child right so there's, there's yeah i'm horrified right now know, like you know when you're just as if cutting on someone's body you know alone one of the uh, the issues that goes hand in hand with that is that the way that these surgeries are done uh they basically measure the size of the child's phallus or clitoris and they say well this is too big to be a clitoris so it needs to be removed so they're doing clitorectomies on people. Uh, so there's there's a mm. mindset that anyone who is considered quote unquote female. On a side note, it's really difficult to talk about intersex without using yeah. like gendered the, language. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just that's like what language, we have right, 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 right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, I'm I'm you can't see me, but I'm always doing like these air quotes yeah. because right. I. You know, yeah, like, vagina does not necessarily mean, like, female. Right, Penis right. doesn't always well, mean is, male. But it's hard to talk about this without... This is what the medical people right. talk... This is how they talk about these things. Right, exactly. Know? Like, we know, for the sake of the conversation, we have to use gendered language. Mm -hmm. But we get what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, and Disha, what did you want to add? Um, So, what you're telling me is something that, Kuma, I had absolutely no idea. So with all that being said, if someone is having to be subjected to basically this culture of shame from basically the second they're born, um, are there any, like, I don't know, do they, like, give intersex children therapists for this type of stuff? Like, do they try to, like, I don't know, be like, are you okay? Because now, like, I've never, I didn't know that that was 
like it was ongoing for so long and I, I don't this isn't something I have to actually deal with so I couldn't even imagine having to, to go through that but I'm just saying as a person growing up having to constantly be violated multiple times like the the um just like the the leftover from that like what does that look like um in that term as far as as far as the medical field is concerned since it's all you know medical you know do they put that do they put that into consideration at all like are they is it i feel like this whole thing the way it sounds is completely dehumanizing so i'm like <laughs> so i'm like so when you're done doing all that and quote unquote normalizing someone like what do they do for so this person's mental health is basically my question is that a thing i i will get to that in just a yeah. second um okay <laughs> Because I, Cause yeah, because I've never, yeah, I've yeah. never heard of it. So I'm like, this um, is just like, wow, you know. So yeah, keep going. Sorry. No, no, that that that's a great question. Um, mm -hmm. So we talked about the clitorectomies. Mm -hmm. um, the opposite of that is if they decide that the phallus is too large, they will mm -hmm. sew up any vaginal opening or anything mm -hmm. like that, and and decide that the child is you know, quote unquote male. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way that this is done, the thought behind this is very, very, number one, it's anti-female sexual pleasure mm -hmm. in the future. It's number two, very, very heterosexist. Right. There's so many people in, in our community that get told that they need this neo-vagina for their husband. Ugh. Yes, that language, Ugh. that phrase is, there's so many people that share being told that phrase that this is done so that they can have sex with their husband. So it's also, it's all of this is done out of a fear of non-binary, right? Non-binary right. bodies, uh, potential for non-binary genders, mm -hmm. and non-heterosexual sexualities in the future. So, yeah. like, those things are important to keep in mind. Yeah. Right. The other thing is that, in addition to these surgical procedures, which sometimes also happens mm -hmm. later on in life, mm -hmm. um, there's forced hormonal treatments. So for some people, obviously they'll have, they're having gonads removed. Mm -hmm. They're not having any natural hormone producing organs. So they get, they're forced to take hormones for whatever gender someone else has decided that they are. Right. Uh, whatever, you know, sex someone has decided that they are. And so a lot of times what happens is they get surgically assigned <clears throat> mm -hmm. a sex and they're expected like, you know, as the world is for their gender mm -hmm. to align to that. And for a lot of times that's not always true. Mm -hmm. So there are people that, you know, their bodies have been permanently altered yeah. and the, surgically. And then on top of that, they've been given hormone treatments. And then when they're an adult, their gender doesn't align to that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's much harder for intersex people that have been subjected to these surgeries and these treatments to transition medically if that's something that they desire right. uh, later mm -hmm. on. And so to go back to your question of what kind of, you know, uh, mental health treatments are there, the really, really unfortunate thing is that for a lot of times, once these surgeries are done, uh, the doctors just kind of you know, wash off their hands and say, well, they're fixed, they're healed, you know, they're, they're, they're fine now. Right. And they mm, never check that's up disgusting. On them, which is why that these, these um, community social and support groups and various different advocacy groups are mm -hmm. so important. Uh, a friend of ours, uh, who is a, a uh, they are an intersex person, and they're also a doctor, mm -hmm. um, did one of the very, one of the, the largest um, research uh, studies done on intersex adults mm. and they found overall higher rates of self-harm they found higher rates mm. of suicidality <clears throat> found higher rates of depression of drug and alcohol mm -hmm. abuse so I mean it's also like well obviously right but there's never been any research on that right yeah. there's nobody's bothered really to follow up and in the instances where they have followed up mm -hmm. we've seen research papers where doctors will review a very small sampling of people it'll be like 12 mm -hmm. um, who have had surgeries done on their bodies and they say you know 
I have all these problems. I I, I can't orgasm. I have constant UTIs. I, you know, all of these other things. I'm unhappy. I don't really feel comfortable in this gender. Um, I don't really identify as a heterosexual person and I'm expected to, like all these other things. Yeah. Like you read the research and you're like, okay, well, that sounds like that didn't turn out so well. But at the end, it still says, blah, 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 successful, 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 because mm-hmm. the concern is not about the person's overall life. general well-being yeah. And, yeah, and life. Or, and or their mental health or anything like that. Does this person's body now look binary? Are they capable of having heterosexual sex regardless of whether they want to or enjoy it? And that's about it. Mm-hmm. So those are some very large issues. And it, it's one of the things that when I educate, I'm it, it's always, always, because I talk about this all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I seem like it's, you know, it's, it's like I'm talking about a movie that I saw the other day. Well, no, like you're talking to, the, this is clearly something that hurts you. Like right. I can just see it like in your face. But mm-hmm. I forget yeah. that there, there are people that have, number one, never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And then number two, like, sometimes when I have to step back yeah. and like remove the educator hat and think about it as like general population is terrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a movie person. I also like run a film festival and, and yeah, do all these other do things. things. Yeah. And the, the one thing that I think, I think that film has a great way of showing how people feel about certain things in ways <laughs> that maybe they don't verbalize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I found that, in film, forced, quote-unquote, sex changes happen really for one of two reasons. It's either done as torture or it's mm-hmm. done as revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that we're doing to babies. People, we're doing them to yeah. infants. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, it seems like something that would be, you know, people should be, like, yeah. Really, really protesting and 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 doing all these right. things for you should be angry about it, um, and there are there are people that are very angry about it. But like when we are presenting legislation, mm-hmm. we always get pushback from like parents groups. Oh, it's parents' rights. Parents should have the right to do no, this. You know, I'm like sorry. all these what? other things. Yeah. And so it's like non-consensual from right. the actual infant. You're doing it like, on an infant. Are you right. serious? And, it, like, and it doesn't, like, it's not a defect or anything. It no. won't cause them any issues. No. If you don't, you do anything. You just let them be, uh. you know? So there's, when we talk about these surgeries, we're also very, very clear that we are talking about healthy tissue. Um, right. So very, very rarely, um, there's uh, so there is a form of CAH, which is congenital adrenal hyperplasia, uh, which does need medical intervention at birth uh, because it's a salt wasting type. The child will die, but mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. intervention does not involve any sort of genital cosmetic surgery. Right. The only other real issue uh, at birth is if someone is born without uh, mm-hmm. like a urinary opening mm-hmm. so that they're not able to pass urine. Mm-hmm. Again, you don't have to change, you know, the overall mm-hmm. functionality, appearance of someone's right. genitalia to, you know, create a, a urinary mm-hmm. opening. Or like if someone's bladder is on the outside of their body. Mm-hmm. Right. But all of those things don't necessarily, you don't need to do any sort mm-hmm. of, cosmetic surgery yeah. on someone's genitalia right you know yeah. so there's there's really no medical need now the the other thing that we get some pushback for is uh a lot of doctors will say specifically for people that are born with testes on the inside of their body mm-hmm. that they need to be removed because they could become cancerous the rate of cancer is not that much higher than the general public mm-hmm. but i also like to put out there that like if if there is someone who has a history of, let's say, breast cancer or cervical cancer, mm-hmm. uterine cancer, whatever, in their family, when that child gets to be 
of puberty age, 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever, you don't just go and cut off their breasts and remove their, you know, give them a hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. You wait and you monitor it. You know, Mm -hmm. you have this, you you work with doctors and you monitor things and, and you stay on top of it. You don't just go and rip organs out. Right. So that's really what mm-hmm. we're advocating for is wait. Mm-hmm. So let's yeah. wait. If cancer is a concern, like right. you can monitor it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then you wait and you wait until someone, if and when they want something done uh, to affirm their gender or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they want done for whatever reason. And then, you know, ad- yeah. address it later. Right. Jeez. So I know that we were we just talked extensively about a lot of the issues that we're seeing surrounding um, in the intersex community, not just like intra community, but like mostly at large. Um, so really, my 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 question for you is. Sorry, I'm just like thinking about like I'm mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like kind of processing everything you just told me. And I'm just like God, that really eats shit. Like I had a question. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, nope. I just got about about the mutilation on children. It's just really like. Yeah, I'm ready. To, yeah, I'm. I want to be like yeah. ready to fight as soon as um, we're done with this. I'm, I want to be like, give me all the numbers. Who I need to call? Like who I need to meet outside? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who the fuck do I need to call? So now I is, remember my question. There you go. <laughs> it is also not uncommon for doctors to tell parents that their child has a hernia or has cancer and then take the child into an OR and remove their gonads. Do they do it like right then and there? Yes. And then they get the child Whoa. back and they're like, oh, your child's fine. So, so that's specific. Um, that. That yeah. kind of scenario is specific to AIS, what's called androgen insensitivity syndrome. Mm-hmm. That's when mm-hmm. someone has XY chromosomes. Uh, they mm-hmm. have a vulva. They usually uh, either have like a, a very mm-hmm. small vaginal opening. They don't have a uterus, and they have internal testes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they'll they'll say, "Oh, your child has cancer," or "Oh, your child has a hernia," and they go and do surgery and just cut out Ugh. the gonads and say, "Okay, they're fine now." I have a friend who's like in med school. I'm gonna text him and be like, "Don't fucking do this shit on my watch." <laughs> well, and so as you can imagine, also yeah. like there's that there's a there's a, a trust issue mm-hmm. then. So a lot of intersex folks they have hesitation about even seeing yeah, like a general I practitioner. Bet. You know, so yeah. some some folks usually, you know. Sometimes the parents honestly didn't know, mm-hmm. uh, and they find out later as well. But sometimes the parents are told to not tell the child growing up that they had mm-hmm. this, oh, right. that they were, yeah. you know, that they were born intersex or that they had this procedure done. Um, <clears throat> and so that creates also later on in life that trust issue between the, an intersex adult and their parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we started our organization mm-hmm. and we had that intention of being like a social and support group, I had people come up to me, and I still do mm-hmm. sometimes, and they will tell me their whole life story mm-hmm. and then be like, but I, I don't want to be involved in the group. I just want to live my life. Like They still want to stay hidden because yeah. there's safety in that. And there's still a lot of shame and stigma about, <clears throat> mm-hmm. yeah. you know, really embracing intersex or like this otherness, right? Yeah. Right. So some of those stories though, and we kind of talked about, and this this will kind of bring us yeah. back around into like the LGBT mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a few instances where like someone will come up to me and say, I, I, I just came out to my parents as a trans woman and my dad said, oh, that makes sense. We had your, you know, your uterus removed when you were, you know, what whatever. Oh, or you fuck. were born, basically you were born intersex and we had to make this decision and we oh, had no. them sew up your vulva, oh, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And it is absolutely devastating for somebody. God. Not just because like coming out to your parents as trans <laughs> mm-hmm. is hard enough, right? And then you're told you get this gut punch and it's this like, you're not who you thought you were and 
everything that everyone has ever told you it's your entire lie. life yeah. is a lie. Like, how much of a mind fuck that is for yeah. people. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are other instances where, you know, there's a million different versions of the same story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you have other people that find out later in life or, you know, various other things. But there's always some sort of more or less medicalized trauma that happens. Yeah. And if it hasn't happened when we're younger, it happens when we're older because there are no standards of care for intersex mm-hmm. people. And it is incredibly difficult to access competent care for us. The other thing that's difficult is that sometimes when we're trying to obtain uh, HRT, so Mm -hmm. like hormones uh, or uh, gender affirming Mm -hmm. care later on Mm -hmm. in life, people are people. When I say people, I mean doctors. Doctors want to default us to trans models of care, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. don't always work for our bodies. So we need really specialized care. Mm -hmm. Um, For example. Uh, someone who has a partial androgen insensitivity syndrome who has had surgical procedures done on mm-hmm. their body and has had hormone-producing gonads removed, who has been forced mm-hmm. to take estrogen, who now identifies as male, who needs testosterone. <sighs> right. Their body doesn't oh. process testosterone mm-hmm. completely. But if doctors put them on the typical, like, F to M... 0.5 cc's mm-hmm. of uh, testosterone cypionate, mm-hmm. their body is going to aromatize most of that into estrogen. Oh, fuck. So it's this issue of, like, we need doctors that are going to to actually know how to take care of us. But also, and it's the kind of the same thing. Like, yeah. the trans people, a lot of times trans people go in and have to educate their own doctor. Doc- yeah. yeah. But you still face this hierarchy of the doctor really believing they know more about you and your body than you do. Yeah. But then you have to sit down and spend the first three, you know, sessions with them, educating them about your body. It's bullshit. Yeah. So, absolutely. So, it, that's one of the difficult things that our community also has in, in facing, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get competent medical care. Even as a as an educator, it's really, really difficult to go into a medical space where there's that assumed hierarchy, right, and try to access care and struggle with doctors who think that they know more about my body, mm-hmm. but also facing that, like, curiosity of, like, doctors wanting to do unnecessary examinations on me. I had a doctor that... Re- refused flat out to address it was like a gastrointestinal issue until I consented to blood work because she wanted to know whether or not I had a prostate and tried to force me to do a prostate exam totally what unrelated the fuck? what I'm under 40 I'm not having any problems with that like there's no yeah. medical reason <laughs> but you don't need to do that to to even want to check on it fucking yikes so there's there's layers to it, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's and, so complicated. And, and the thing with medical practitioner practitioners pra- practitioners. Pra- practitioners is like, if it's not the intersex community, it's black women, you yes. know, or it's you know they just don't give a fuck about the marginalized people, and yeah. and it's like you're paying all this money and you're you're getting paid stacks to like neglect these people because you think that you know i guess you're taught this binary thing especially in education and school it's it started from the bottom you know like and that's it is so awesome that you brought that up because that goes hand in hand as well like people of color within the intersex community have that additional layer of knowing that like black folks specifically black women mm-hmm. and native women have that history of medicalized violence and experimentation. Mm-hmm. So there's that layered on top of that. The intersex community has a history of experimentation as well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but it is even compounded more, more. Right. for our communities of color. And so like for the most part, the intersex activism and advocacy is usually done by white women with AIS. Mm. And so that's one of the larger, like, really, really complicated things to address. Like, Mm -hmm. as a person of color, like, as someone who 
is gender fluid, you know, uh, like all of the, I am the absolute counter image to mm-hmm. the poster child, you know, and I'm weird, like I'm an artist, I have a, mm-hmm. a very alternative appearance, so I have to work so much Twice, harder yeah. right. through all of the respectability politics and everything else, right, right to even be considered that I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the other things, too, is, like, we do have, like, if, if you, if you're listening and you do want to hear about, more about intersex stuff, when you do searches, please, please, please search for, like, the people of color that are intersex. Yeah. Because right. those stories are super, super important. Mm-hmm. And they don't get heard nearly as much. We're not given as much platform Mm -hmm. and we're, and, and that also is intersectional with things like poverty, right? How hard it is to access competent medical care already when you are a poor person, if you're on Medicaid, right? Like how do you, how do you, you know, uh, and a lot of times people in our community will say, Oh, well, you know, you have this one doctor and they're not nice to you. So you say, you're not going to be my doctor and you go to somebody else. That's not easy. Not everybody can do that. No. If you're going to a charity clinic, you don't have that no that option. No. You know? That privilege is not there. And no. we've all, we also know that uh, in communities of color, they address surgeries and bodies differently, mm-hmm. which is weird. weird. Yeah, which is weird. And also like noting anti-blackness, racism, like all of these things are coincide. Yeah, yeah, they coincide and they they. They don't get talked about nearly as much. Mm-hmm. So that is also very, very important. The issue of immigration. Fuck. Yeah. Refugees and asylum seekers. We talked about countries where there's infanticide. There are countries where being intersex is grouped into the LGBT mm-hmm. and LGBT is illegal, is punishable by either death, prison, yeah, either yeah. imprisonment right. or death, right? So you have. People who are intersex, who are being lumped in as that, who are fleeing for their lives, mm-hmm. and the UN does not recognize intersex as asylum worthy. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they go out and fucking rape people, as we know that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we, I mean, we know people that are in this situation where, like, they're they're desperate mm-hmm. to get away from the country that they live in, and the UN has basically said, uh, "Well, you're not." This is not. Right. This is yeah. not something that we recognize. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like you can't run this organization that only, you know, sees an individual as a monolith. You know, it's like people hold multitudes and they carry all these different intersections. You know, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what the main issue is. Is like when we're looking at this binary issue and this homogenous thing that we want to. Mm-hmm fucking try to fix when you know not everyone's the same you can't you can't do that right you know um i think um, indisha how when looking up uh stuff, stuff about people that are intersex uh putting the poc part is uh really important because i was going to say that um the first time that i ever heard anything about people that are intersex was from the show faking it it was on mtv and the character that was intersex was like the blonde femme cheerleader. Um, and she had a very interesting narrative and it was very interesting, but that was still her, that it still was like, yeah, she, but she's still blonde and like just not, you know, really struggling that hard. I feel like she had to actually expose that part of herself to get that, you know? I'm basically saying like, you know, that was the only time I've ever even heard of it. Um, on MTV, mm-hmm. uh, it was just backtracking. Sorry, sorry, my bad. Yes. <laughs> no, you're cool. Mm-hmm. What's the interesting thing about that show is that mm-hmm. they actually did work with Interact, which is another intersex organization. Right. Oh, cool. So all of the stuff that they presented was pretty accurate for that, um, right. at right. least the content. But you're right, and and for the most part, that is kind of the. The picture that we do see the most for mm-hmm. for intersex. Um, yeah, this is 
Seriously, this has been amazing. I've never known a lot um, of this stuff. You really so unfortunately taught we're us a have lot. to wrap up here in a second. But I had one more question for you before, because right. I know we could like talk like forever. Yeah, about I can. This. Yeah. I can honestly <laughs> listen to you forever. But, uh, yeah, seriously, I'm just like, oh, all right, so let's long? do a part two. Yeah, right, <laughs> part two. Um, I know that we we talked really extensively about how um there's so many issues um both from the community and from the medical field, like when it comes to the intersex community, but are you at least seeing some kind of positive progress? Yeah. Or what would you like to also yeah. see if and you're not? Yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, okay. Okay, so yes and no. Um, so I was very fortunate to collaborate with some other uh, intersex activists of color mm-hmm. uh, last year, and we did a protest at Lori. Oh, no, wait, that was this year. That was earlier this year. Oh my oh, God, wow. uh, this year's been a long time. Uh, at Lori Children's Hospital uh-huh. in Chicago, which is actively still doing surgeries on intersex infants. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1996, might have been 98, <laughs> 96 or 98, uh, was the very first time that intersex people organized and did a protest. It was in Boston. It was outside of mm-hmm. the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics Conference. Mm-hmm. And the intersex community collaborated with the trans community. Mm-hmm. So it was a group called Hermaphrodites with Attitude oh, and okay. a group called the Transsexual Menace. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they had a collaborative protest. Mm-hmm. It had been over 20 years since we had had a public protest. Um, a little bit earlier... Mm-hmm. Uh, in the year, there was a much smaller mm-hmm. protest at Lurie organized by the two activists that we worked with. So there was a, an intersex conference in the area. And, you know, it was we ended up having one of the mm-hmm. largest uh, protests well. to date. Um, so we are seeing more people, intersex and not, willing to organize and, and to be visible. So that's number one. For the cause, right? Right. Um, number two, it is very difficult to mm-hmm. change the minds of doctors that have been in the field, especially those who have been doing these surgeries for years and years and years. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with people just not wanting to admit mm-hmm. fault and mm-hmm. that what they're doing is harmful and not best practices. Mm-hmm. So we get a lot of pushback. However, um, I've had the opportunity to speak to several mm-hmm. med, med students, and that is where the change is happening. Mm-hmm. And it's when we go in and we do education and we do panels and we have people in medical school who they may have one chapter on intersex where it's just a, yeah. a blip. And it's it's still using terms like pseudo-hermaphrodite and, and talking about surgeries being best practices. And then they have intersex people actually come in and educate and bring all this new material in. That's where we're seeing the change. And we're, mm-hmm. we're yeah. seeing people that are more willing to challenge uh, what they're being taught um, or say, you know, we did this the test and I had to answer this way to pass, but I'm never doing that if I encounter you, you know, if yeah. I encounter, you know, an intersex infant, I'm I'm gonna do, you know, this instead. Right. So that is what's helpful. We're doing uh I am uh actively working with another activist mm-hmm. to do legislation, um, which is small. It's specific to kids in state <coughs> care, but like those are little baby steps. So right. the, there's there's these little things. Now, if other people want to get involved, the mm-hmm. best thing you can do is to support uh, support us. Like yeah. we um, we don't really have like meetings. We'll have different events throughout the year. Come to our events. Um, mm-hmm. This is specifically oh, for the Houston, Houston Intersex yes. Society, okay. right? Okay. If you're local, yeah, uh, right. Um, so you can come to our events. Uh, we participate in Pride. We're probably one of the smallest groups there. Yeah. <laughs> but please, like, uh, you know, there, it is kind of when we talked about, like, shame and stigma, a lot of people don't want to be visible. Yeah. So we really, really need allies that are going to be visible for the people who can't. Yeah. Um, so that's also important. And then the other thing, and it's the thing that, wow. you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, you know. 
donate money. Pay, yeah, I was like, pay up. <laughs> yeah, pay up. <laughs> pay up. Seriously, pay up. You know, and that's like, the Houston Intersex Society is two people. It's two people. Right. We're doing trips to Austin when it's, you know, well, again, let me clarify. The Inter- Houston Intersex Society is two people. Uh, at least running the organization. We're doing trips. Uh, we've done trips to Austin. We've done mm-hmm. trips. Uh, we recently did a trip to Lake Charles mm-hmm. to visit an intersex person in the hospital who had never been in a room with other intersex people before. Mm-hmm. It's like we're doing outreach in, both locally in, in Grassroot Texas style. and yeah. in other states, mm-hmm. like in the South. We've organized a Southern regional meetup so like we had people from several different states come but there's there's only one organization that has an intersex fund mm-hmm. and it's every intersex group in the US and other countries vying for this the same, same. Mm-hmm. little bit of funding mm-hmm. you know so any any funding that's available is helpful because it costs money to do the work we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when, again, a little note, when we're talking about legislation, that is individual work that is not work done by our uh, organization because right. we are a nonprofit and we're not allowed to do that. Yeah. So right. we don't do that as the organization. We do that as individual intersex people on our mm-hmm. own. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you know, that's... Yeah. And it's always so difficult to to ask for support, you yeah. know, financially. But right. no, fucking pay up. If, <laughs> like, if you, pay if you us, have pay the us. means, like if you have the time, mm-hmm. volunteer, come mm-hmm. be a part of stuff. You know, if you have funds, you know, if you're a person that has that, help with however you can help. Mm-hmm. And the only, you know, the other thing is, if you hear things, you know. Uh, you can, hopefully, you've learned a little bit and you can educate other people. Mm -hmm. So the only other thing that there is, is we talked a little bit about, like, intersex within LGBT and, Mm -hmm. like, some of those difficulties. Mm -hmm. So one of the big difficult things is that frequently... uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to say frequently. Sometimes... Mm -hmm. There are times. There are times when people will use the existence of intersex people Mm -hmm. to validate transness. Oh, I see. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I I see what you're saying. Kind of gatekeep. Oh, oh my. (laughs) That was me hitting the microphone (laughs) with my hand. Uh, I'm very expressive when when I speak. But then they stop at our existence. They don't talk about the issues that we face. Right. They don't advocate for the needs of our community. They don't bring in intersex people mm-hmm. to speak yeah. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of the same thing, right? Like if your event says LGBT, but you don't have the T is not really there and the T has nothing to do with the T, mm-hmm. don't put the T on there. Mm-hmm. Right. If your event says LGBTQI and there's nothing about the I in there and you don't have any I people there to speak mm-hmm. about it, just don't put it on there. Mm-hmm. But please, please, please don't just use right. our existence. Or for clout. Right. Don't do stuff for clout. Someone else's mm-hmm. existence. For right. social capital. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. The clout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there's, there. yes, we exist, but holy shit, we, you know, we're, we're trying really hard to bring awareness to this. Mm-hmm. And right. when our existence gets reduced down to just like, oh, they exist... We have nobody right. supporting right. us, and, and you know it, it is it is already a very isolating and lonely existence for a lot of yeah. people. But then to see it, you know, <clears throat> just like that, we need support. Right. You know. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I've, that's. Thanks for coming on. This has seriously been oh definitely God, one of the most educational episodes yeah. that this I've ever been a part of. Thank you, you so much you for so much. spending like having this space open and spending your time to talk to not only us but the people yeah, that listen to our show. Um, I definitely appreciate you just like expelling that energy. Like I'm so grateful. This is really, really um, eye-opening for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I just want to express, like, I know that mm-hmm. you, you, as an educator, you have to, like, ex- expel so much of your own mental mm-hmm. 
an emotional mm-hmm. space. So thank you for doing that for yeah. us. Yeah, sure. Because I know that's not easy sometimes. Like I know right. that when people ask me about my non-binary identity, I'm just like, <sighs> today. Today. <laughs> so thank you. Seriously, yeah. from the bottom of our hearts, thank mm-hmm. you so much for coming onto the show. Yeah, and I, I mean, yeah, if you want to come back, there's so much more about you <laughs> that we, <laughs> we do a part two. We right. Do a part yeah, three. and then you can bring on your your partner, your sure. business partner. Yeah. Um, yeah i'm i'm down yay <laughs> but with that um like yeah wait do you have anything sorry, oh to yeah. plug um what are the organizations mm-hmm. where can we find you and oh yeah tell us we so we can send you, you money and oh, yeah okay. let, us, let us let us yes. <laughs> so uh if you want to contact us you can contact uh the houston intersex society at the houston intersex society at gmail.com you okay. can find us on facebook at <laughs> Facebook.com slash H O U I N T E R, or just mm-hmm. search for the Houston Intersex Society. Um, oh, on so on our page, we actually have QR codes on our Facebook banner that you can scan with your phone and become a sustaining donor. Oh, uh, nice. Okay. Which is uh, very, very appreciated. Mm hmm. Nice. Yay. Okay. Yeah. Well, well we'll do that. thank you so much again for coming. Yeah, Thanks. And thank you. I also want to say happy holidays to everybody. Mm-hmm. Hope it's a happy one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also now we're we're a part of Spectrum South. Yeah. If y'all uh, didn't hear that. Yeah. Woo! We're so excited to actually be a part of that partnership, and mm-hmm. we're excited to see where that can go with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. So <coughs> I think this is actually our last episode. <laughs> yeah, we we're wrapping up this. Yeah. We'll probably have one. Maybe. A little bit. Eh, we'll see. We'll see if we feel like it. No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> but this is our last official like episode before we move on with Spectrum South. So mm-hmm. um, if you don't hear from us, we will see you in 2019. Yeah. Um, but with that, uh, don't forget to find us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and don't forget to follow us on our Twitter. That we need to do a better job of updating. <laughs> yeah. It's Veer underscore Queer HCX. Or find us on our Facebook at <laughs> Queer uh, Podcasts. Sorry, Veer Queer Podcast, not Veer Queer Own Podcast. <laughs> Indie. <laughs> you could always change the name. Yeah, right. <laughs> and with that, I've been Bye. My. And we will see you later. Bye. Bye.